Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, and welcome to Tiny Vampires, a podcast about disease, science, and blood-sucking insects. A member of the Agora Podcast Network. This is episode 23. What is this new mosquito control technique called Wolbachia? I'm Raven Forrest Frescalzo, your host. I have a few exciting announcements, so be sure to listen through to the end of this episode. This topic was sent in by Emma Little, a Tiny Vampires Espanol listener. There are a bunch of new high-tech mosquito control strategies in the works right now. We've already learned about gene drives in episode 5, and genetically sterilized males in episode 3. Unlike those techniques, though, Wolbachia does not require genetic modification of mosquitoes. It's actually an infection. There are tons of viruses, bacteria, parasites out there that infect insects. Just like mosquitoes can't get the common cold, these infections can't move from insects to humans. Wolbachia is one such bacteria. It's estimated that about two-thirds of insect species are infected with Wolbachia. Things like dragonflies, beetles, and flies. Some strains of Wolbachia make the insect sick and shorten its lifespan, while others actually help the insect stay alive longer, the insect version of a probiotic. Wolbachia breaks into an insect's cells, where it's safe from the immune system, and it can get into all of the cells, from stomach cells to brain cells, including eggs and sperm. This is how the infection is transmitted, from mother to offspring through the eggs. It has a secret weapon to make sure that as many insects as possible are born infected. The secret weapon is called cytoplasmic incompatibility. Cytoplasm is the same thing as protoplasm, which is the goop inside of all cells. It's chock full of proteins and all kinds of other cell goodness that keeps the cell fat and happy. 
the Wolbachia inside of the insect's cells changes that goop inside of the egg, or the sperm, of any insect that it infects. This change makes it so that an infected male's sperm cannot properly fertilize an uninfected female's egg. Because the Wolbachia is transmitted from mother to offspring, the bacteria is essentially making sure the only insect babies born are those with infections. It's a little bit hard to describe in audio, so I'll have a pretty simple diagram, as well as a video up on the show notes for this episode. But essentially, two uninfected parents means, of course, uninfected offspring. A mother with an infection can mate with an infected or uninfected male and have babies just fine. And an uninfected mother with an infected father won't produce any offspring. Because two out of four possible mating combinations ends up with infected babies and one ends up dead, the infected population grows more and more. Researchers saw the potential to use this infection as a cheap, self-sustaining mosquito control technique. Like I said, some strains of Wolbachia shorten the lifespan of the infected insect, and a mosquito's age is a really important factor in whether or not she transmits the disease. Every time a female mosquito bites, there's a chance that she's going to pick up a disease. So the longer she lives, the more she has bitten. Also, any disease that she's picked up needs time to replicate inside her body. The older she is, the more a pathogen has had a chance to pass on to their next victim. Entomologists, people like me who work on insects for a living, were looking to use this bacterial infection against one mosquito in particular, our old friend Aedes aegypti, the transmitter of Zika, yellow fever, and dengue. Dengue's a huge problem in 100 different countries around the world. Its other name is breakbone fever, from the excruciating cramps that it causes. It makes roughly 50 million people sick every year, and most of those people are those who can least afford medical care and months of recovery time. Sometimes, it causes dengue hemorrhagic fever, which is an Ebola-like condition where the victim dies from shock and blood loss. Dengue is an incredibly difficult virus to fight. Treatment is focused on managing symptoms until the patient fights the virus off on their own, or dies trying. And there currently isn't a vaccine on the market. The focus for dealing with dengue is prevention, which means killing Aedes aegypti mosquitoes. While there are massive insecticide campaigns, we can't fog everywhere. Not to mention the fact that we've, we've been using insecticides so much that aegypti are becoming immune to it. We know we need a new strategy, especially now that warmer temperatures are allowing this tropical mosquito to move farther and farther north and south every year. That's where Wolbachia comes in. There was one major problem, though. Aedes aegypti is in the minority of insect species 
in that it doesn't get Wolbachia in the wild. Enter Scott O'Neill. He was determined to infect his laboratory colony of Egypti to see if he could decrease their lifespan. Can you imagine how many trials it took? He had to get the bacteria inside of tiny mosquito eggs without damaging the egg. This task was so difficult, it was likened to sticking a knitting needle into a balloon and taking it back out without popping the balloon. Eventually, they got it to work. Infected females started to breed and lay eggs that didn't need to be injected because the Wolbachia was passed on from the mother. Now that they had a laboratory colony infected with Wolbachia, they could actually start the experiments. So all that work just to see if a strain of Wolbachia could actually decrease the lifespan of these infected mosquitoes. Then, something interesting happened in another part of their lab. Like real-life homicide detectives, real scientists are working on multiple investigations at once. In this case, the other project they were working on was naturally occurring Wolbachia in fruit flies when they noticed something interesting. The flies were surviving the Drosophila C virus, which should have been fatal. The bacteria was keeping the virus from replicating inside of the fly's cells. The implications were exciting. Instead of using Wolbachia to shorten the mosquito's life, they might be able to use it to cure the mosquitoes. This would solve two problems in one. Reducing the number of people getting sick with a horrible disease and keeping the ecologically important mosquitoes. If you aren't convinced that mosquitoes are ecologically important, I suggest going back and listening to episode two. Wolbachia infections would also save the government and charities money because unlike insecticides, which have to be used year after year, the Wolbachia is self-sustaining. The million-dollar question was, will Wolbachia cure dengue in mosquitoes just like it cured the Drosophila C virus in fruit flies? And that is the subject of our paper today. It's called Wolbachia Symbiote in Aedes aegypti Limits Infection of Dengue, Chikungunya, and Plasmodium. Of course, the title is a spoiler. <laughs> it's by Moira et al. in 2009, out of Australia. If you haven't heard of Chikungunya virus, it is Dengue's nicer brother. Although it doesn't kill people, it makes people miserable and bedridden for months at a time. It's related to Zika, and like Zika, it is quickly spreading around the world. Plasmodium probably sounds familiar to regular listeners. It is the parasite that causes malaria. The plasmodium in this paper is referring not to the human one that causes human malaria that Egypti thankfully cannot transmit, but a form that it can transmit which is avian or bird malaria. The first thing the researchers needed to see if the Wolbachia could cure the mosquitoes of these diseases was some mosquitoes with Wolbachia 
and some without. They split these two groups into subgroups, an infected and an uninfected group for each pathogen, plasmodium, chikungunya, and dengue. Dengue and chikungunya viruses were mixed with blood that was then fed to the prospective groups of mosquitoes to best mimic the way mosquitoes normally ingest the virus. This must not have been possible for the plasmodium because they just injected it into the mosquitoes. To be sure that the mosquitoes that were supposed to have the pathogen had it and those who weren't supposed to have it didn't, the researchers tested them using a really cool technique called immunofluorescence. When we look through a microscope at something as small as bacteria inside of a cell of an insect, or a virus, they are incredibly difficult to see, but this immunofluorescent technique makes them literally light up like a Christmas tree. First, proteins from outside of the pathogen are injected into a rabbit. The rabbit doesn't get sick because it's just the outside of the pathogen. It's just a piece of it. Even though the rabbit doesn't get sick, it does have an immune reaction. Because the pathogen bit isn't something that belongs inside of a rabbit. So its immune cells recognize that and produce proteins called antibodies. Antibodies are the masters at finding and attaching themselves to pathogens, which act as a flag for the immune system to come and destroy anything that that antibody is attached to. So these little antibody flags are removed from the rabbit via a blood draw and then separated from the blood. Now the researchers have little pathogen-seeking missiles. These antibodies are called rabbit anti-dengue, or whichever pathogen they were using, because the antibody came from a rabbit and is seeking out dengue. On their own, they're not very helpful, though. A virus with an antibody attached to it is just as hard to see as one without. But the next step is where the magic happens. Antibodies with little fluorescent molecules on them can be mass-produced. These are mouse anti-rabbit antibodies. They are little rabbit antibody-seeking missiles. Different molecules attached to these antibodies glow in different colors, so they can tag a pathogen in red and the Wolbachia in green. The process of actually doing it looks like this. The mosquitoes were killed and carefully embedded in paraffin wax. This made it so they could cut ultra-thin slices. The slices were dipped into the solution with the rabbit anti-dengue antibodies, which quickly attached to any dengue virus in that slice. The slice was then rinsed off to wash away any antibodies that didn't stick. Then, the same slice was dipped into mouse anti-rabbit antibodies, this one with red fluorescent tags. These attached themselves to the rabbit antibodies, sandwiching them between the virus and the tag. Then it was washed again. 
so the only red tags that would be able to be seen were those attached to the dengue virus, or whatever other pathogen they were looking for. All of this was done again with the same slice, with rabbit anti-Wolbachia, to mark the Wolbachia in green. If the Wolbachia or the virus was not on the slice, then these antibodies would simply wash off in the rinse step. Under the microscope, the results look spectacular. The image for this episode is one of the images produced by this method from this paper. The Wolbachia is in bright green. There's no red because the image was taken 14 days after infection, at which point the Wolbachia had long since cured the viral infection. The blue in the image is a DNA stain. Once O'Neill's team had confirmed that everyone who was supposed to have the pathogen did, they got to work, looking to see the state of the infection at 7 and 14 days after they were infected with the pathogen. O'Neill's team was also interested to see if this Wolbachia was going to reduce the length of the mosquitoes' lives, so they were tracking that too. At the end, they discovered that the mosquitoes infected with Wolbachia had their adult lives cut in half compared to uninfected adults. The pathogen results were also pretty dramatic. In three different experiments, none of the Wolbachia-infected mosquitoes had dengue, while 30-100% to 100% of the mosquitoes without Wolbachia had it. In the chikungunya trials, 17% of those with Wolbachia had the virus, while 79% of those without the bacteria had the virus. Lastly, the mosquitoes with avian malaria. These results weren't as dramatic, but they were still remarkable. The number of mosquitoes with enough parasite to pass it on reduced from 74% to 42%. O'Neill's paper was funded by the nonprofit Foundation for the National Institute of Health. Since this paper came out, Wolbachia has been shown to also cure West Nile and Zika in Aedes aegypti mosquitoes, as well as being effective with other mosquitoes. So, all of this sounds pretty good. It's cheap, eco-friendly, self-sustaining, and effective at fighting disease. So, what's the catch? Well, a lot of work is yet to be done. It was only recently that it was shown that Wolbachia mosquitoes released into a town could actually spread. There are also only preliminary results on whether releasing these mosquitoes will reduce the number of people actually getting dengue or any other disease. The public is skeptical because in order to change the local population of mosquitoes from Wolbachia-free to Wolbachia full, thousands of mosquitoes need to be released into neighborhoods, fighting females included. There's some concern from the public that the bacteria can infect humans when the mosquitoes bite. This isn't likely to be an issue because there are other really common mosquito species that have naturally occurring Wolbachia 
and have been biting us for thousands of years, and this has never been an issue. It's most likely because the bacteria is too big to fit through the mosquito's mouth parts. Not to mention the fact that human cells and insect cells are very different. Other scientists are also skeptical. There's a concern that Wolbachia might actually increase the transmission of some types of plasmodium and West Nile virus. This has happened under certain laboratory conditions. Some ecologists are also concerned that the Wolbachia could transfer to another insect if that insect ate an infected mosquito. With any of these concerns, it's important to remember that one of the strengths of Wolbachia is also its weakness. It maintains itself in the mosquito population once it's established. Releasing both males and females changes the population, and it's a bell that can't be unrung. As of right now, five different countries have decided that it's worth the risk. Brazil, Australia, Vietnam, Indonesia, and Colombia. The projects in these countries range in size from small controlled trials to massive non-experimental deployments in locations with millions of people. In the U.S., Wabakia is being used in a different way, more like the sterile male technique. Because males don't bite, and wild females that mate with infected males can't produce offspring, the control measure reduces the population of mosquitoes, but it can be reversed by simply not releasing more infected males. This technique doesn't take advantage of Wolbachia's impressive virus-destroying powers, though. Okay, it's time for announcements. Next month is Tiny Vampire's two-year anniversary. Yay! In episode 24, we'll be answering Alberto Glinton's question, Can diseases pass from one mosquito to another? If you've been enjoying Tiny Vampires or Tiny Vampires Espanol, we would love an anniversary gift. No need to buy us anything, but a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher would do just fine. Next announcement is that Agoraphobia is back for the Halloween season. This is an event where each of the Agora podcast hosts put together their own particular style of scary, weird, or creepy story and post it in the Agora podcast. It's the most popular Agora event of the year, so subscribe to the Agora podcast if you aren't already, so that you can listen as soon as these episodes drop. My last announcement is that myself and a lot of the other Agora hosts are going to be together this November 2nd through 3rd at the Sound Education Conference at Harvard University. If you ever wanted to see us in person, here's your chance. I hope to see you in Boston. September's Agora Podcast of the Month is Lands of Leviathan. It's a podcast that takes an interesting spin on political science and international relations, which can sometimes be dry subjects, so they spice it up using pop culture. Think reforming a state after a zombie apocalypse. And if you like anything from Star Wars to political theory, you're gonna love this podcast. 
Well, that's it for the announcements. I want to thank you for listening. From me, Raven Forest Ruskelson. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.